Welcome to Season 6 of Business Book Talk. Every week, we have a business book author talk about their book and discover why they wrote it. The conversations are casual in tone, but we try and dig a bit deeper into the subject of the book and discover the author's background and their core ideas. I'm sure you'll like this week's book, so let's get started. Hey everybody, it's Bob again. I've got Content Inc. How entrepreneurs use content to build massive audiences and create radically successful businesses. And I've got Joe Polizzi with me this morning. Bob, how you doing? <laughs> Thanks. You know, it's funny because uh, this is like round three of me trying to get the damn book title out. You'd think I'd be better, but it's Monday and just that's, yeah, hey, it's... So now you know, never record a podcast on Monday. Although, <laughs> although... With, with my own podcast, we always record it on Monday, so it's just the way it goes. Well, you know, when we were, or at least when I was scrambling around about uh, a couple of minutes ago, uh, you know, we were chatting about your podcast, and you've got a news podcast, which means you've got to get it out, produced, and then, boom, you're ready for your next show. Well, the, the issue with that is, so basically, it, we have a podcast called This Old Marketing. So we cover the, what's happened in the content marketing industry the previous week. And the only challenge we really have, Bob, is when, so Robert Rose is is on the podcast with myself and we travel a ton. So that's the issue is that sometimes like if he goes on vacation or if he's in Sweden or I'm in Singapore or whatever the case is, just trying to coordinate the times is a problem. And we can't do like you know, you were talking before. Hey, you can line up three, four, five podcasts. But we, we can't do that because then we're then we're not relevant. So we have to every once a week we have to find time to get together. So it it is an, an issue sometimes. Worse in the summer because we're we're both every every which way. But you know, we found a way to make it work for 128 episodes in a row. So you do what you got to do. No, oh, exactly. I, I think it's you know it, it's perfect because content. It it's all about consistency. It's all about just doing it. And I think a lot of people fail with their content because they think, oh yeah, I can do content. It's easier. Oh, I can write this blog or I can do this. I can do, yeah, you can once, but when you come down to 50, it's like, oh my gosh, this is like a full-time job. It, you know, the point you make cannot be overstated because I mean, I do, I was in, in Stockholm, Sweden last week giving a, a keynote on content marketing and I, I all around the world talking about this and everyone thinks that the key to success with content marketing is the quality of content. And I said, sure, quality of content is very important, but it's not the most important. <laughs> the most important is consistency. And that's where most people break down, where they'll get it. Oh, I want to do a blog. And they start in the first three months are great. And then they slowly stop producing it. Or the same with the podcast, or the same with the the mini magazine, or or whatever it is. It always stops, and there's always this: either they're not vested in it, they don't think that it's a core part of the business, or they treat it like a campaign. And content marketing is not a campaign; it's a marathon. And um, and that's I think a lot of the issues that whether you're a small business or a large enterprise, it's always the same thing. So I always I always like to. You know, talk to enterprise marketers about that and said, oh, we're not going to make it because, you know, all these other reasons. I said, well, the biggest thing you got to do, you got to commit to it over a long period of time. And are you willing to do that and invest the resources in that commitment? Yeah, well, and, and also I think another thing a lot of people don't realize, it's yet another product. It's not a sales tool. It is something you have to let people know about. 
You can't just say, oh, I'm doing a podcast or I'm doing a blog. That's all I'm doing. No, then you've got to let people know. So they go to that blog, they read the content, they get some value out of it. And then it's going to work for you as a communication tool. It was a little bit easier five, six years ago where you could technically make the case if you targeted a particular content niche or keyword, you did a good job making sure it was found in, you know, in Google and whatnot, you, you, could, you didn't have to activate it like you have to activate it today. Today, you're, you absolutely, to your point, you absolutely have to put everything you can behind it. And I would say, let's say if you look at it from a budgeting standpoint, well, you probably are looking at, okay, 20 to 25% on the content creation and about 75% on the content promotion and activation. Yep. Just well, to make sure you get that out there and you get that follower and you build that audience. Now, once you build the audience, things change. Like once you have 50,000 people that are subscribed to your e-newsletter and you can send them updates and you have that base of readers, then that can change. But upfront, if you're just starting from zero, you have to put a lot more upfront in production because it takes a long time to build a loyal audience and to break through the clutter and make sure that somebody finds you. Well, you know, I, I had a little note down here. The word relevance came up, and uh, I think that's it's got to be good quality content, but it has to be relevant to your target demographic, to the people that you need to be talking to. And this is classic miscommunication or, or bad content uh, where people just, they just, oh, well, let's just talk to everybody. Then we can get more people on the show. I said, no, you can't do that. You have to be niche. You have to be super niche these days. We talk a little bit about this in the book, but part of the process is, is when you define your content marketing mission statement, you, you know, you basically, it's an editorial mission statement, just like any media company would create and no businesses create. And when you put that mission statement together, you, you target one audience. And if you target more than one audience, you are already irrelevant. You will not be able to be relevant enough to target one, two, three, and talk to a B2B company, right? A B2B company targets for any particular product, they have seven to nine buyers, influencers, decision makers. So if you have, if your content can can fit uh, four or five or six of those personas, I guarantee you it's not helpful or relevant to anybody because it's got to be so watered down. Um, so that's where, to your point, you have to figure out, well, where can we really be the leading expert in the world on some content topic to a very particular audience? That's publishing. And that's I come from the trade publishing industry. That's tra just basic trade publishing. But when you think about it from a larger business standpoint, and you, you actually come from this mass media mentality where you want to target as many people as possible. Doesn't work with content. Actually, you can make a case it never worked with advertising either. But that's not what we're talking about. But absolutely if you're, if you're going to focus on more than one audience, you might as well not even start. It's a waste of time. Mm. Let's tackle this question because it, it's one that seems so obvious. And I guarantee you, 80% of the people listening to the show are going to be like, oh my gosh, I hadn't thought about that. How do you define content? Well, content, if you just say content, content can be anything that communicates from a, from a pixel to a word to an experience. It's, and honestly, content to me is meaningless. It's the modifiers that make all the difference. So con that's why we use the term content marketing, because we're creating information in the hopes to market, to attract and retain customers, to see some profitable behavior. So it makes a lot of difference than if you say, I'm going to create product content. Well, that's very specific. You're creating product, uh, salesy type content describing value. 
when you're, when you're looking at content marketing, you're trying to create value. You're trying to create a long-term relationship with somebody around topics and information that are going to position you as an expert thought leader. And, and people are hopefully going to know, like, and trust you more and ultimately buy more from you. So it's much different. So when anybody asks me for the definition of content is, I don't even know. It's everything. Anything and everything can be content, can be filler. Uh, but necess- I, I, honestly, it doesn't mean, I'll give you another one. Branded content. What is branded content? Branded content to me is content that talks about your brand that really people don't give very much about. <laughs> they, don't, they don't care. Like who cares about your, 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 your buyers, your customers, your prospects only care about your products and services at a very small portion of the buying cycle. Yeah, the other times they want stuff that's going to help them with their pain points. That's why we get into content marketing. You get into top of the funnel stuff. You get into loyalty retention stuff. You get into the customer evangelist stuff. That's content that's really got to feed their souls on a regular basis. Well, I think also uh, a lot of time when people are creating content, uh, they really don't have a, a great idea of why they're doing it. I mean, that, that sounds insane, but they really, they really don't have a clue. No, it's true. We do a little exercise. This is a really good exercise to do with any company. And if you're an agency listening to this, you absolutely want to do this. But with any company that you're talking with, you say, okay, who's the target audience? And they'll come up with, okay, here's the target audience. And I say, okay, let's list all the ways that you're communicating with your your that, that audience. Okay, we've got our Facebook page, Twitter, we've got e-newsletters, we do ebooks, webinars, we have an in-person event, a blog, a podcast, whatever. The average company, the average enterprise, they said about 13 to 15 different ways they communicate with their customers. You don't think it's that much, but when you actually list it, yeah, we communicate with them at least 10 different ways. Then you put a why question mark at the top of the sheet that you're, and all on the left-hand side is all those ways that you're communicating. Then just answer the question, why? Why, from a business perspective, do you actually have a Facebook page? Like, I really would like to know. <laughs> if you talk to a B2B company, you, you have, you're hard-pressed to get a good answer. They don't know. It's because they thought it was the right thing to do. Why'd you start that blog? Eh, uh, somebody in sales or marketing or the CEO wanted to do a blog, and we started it. We thought it was a good idea. You know, why are you doing that e-newsletter? We've been doing that e-newsletter for four years now. Just that it just becomes stuff that we do, not necessarily making an impact on the lives or the needs of our customers in any way or our bottom line in some way. So it's good to do that every once in a while just to get a feel for, well, maybe we shouldn't be doing 13 to 15 different things. Maybe we should focus on doing three to five really, really well. That's going to not only help our audience, our customers, our prospects, but also help our bottom line. Yeah, I think also a lot of people do content and don't understand that there should be a strategy attached to it in the sense that, uh, you know, we're, we're why we're doing the show, here's our, our um, editorial strategy, uh, this, is, this is the direction we want to go, these are the things on the horizon that we think are going to happen and we're, we're going to push towards that so when it does happen, people go, wow, they actually knew stuff that we didn't even think about. This is a show that gives us content that's going to really help us build our business or uh, build our ability to, to make better products or whatever. So um, I wanted to ask you, how difficult is it for um, a person that, that, that's creating content to attach to a strategy and not kind of get lost in the, the forest of strategy? 
it's hard to your point, and you're absolutely right. The majority of companies, no matter what size out there, do not create any kind of documented content marketing strategy. And at Content Marketing Institute, we've been working with marketing profs for seven years on that research. And every year, the, the numbers are dismal. Let that, that less than 35% of all companies have any kind of documented content marketing strategy, which means to your first point that they're just creating stuff. So it's hard to get lost in strategy when you're not even looking at all strategically. You're looking very tactically at all the content that you create. Um, I don't think it's an issue. I would actually love to have more strategy go on and, and better understanding about why is this going to help us as an organization? Why do we want to do it? And then you start to ask the really interesting questions and you start to look at the other things that you're doing. Like, well, maybe that trade show isn't working as well as it used to. Maybe the advertising programs we're doing isn't working as well. Well, why aren't they working as well? Well, because our customers have 24-7 informational devices with them at all times and they can afford to not go to those trade shows anymore if they don't want to or not uh, look at that advertising that we were, we'd been placing. Well, how do we get in front of people that that can have complete control over the buying cycle now? Well, we have to create information that's really relevant to them, talking about very specific things that help them in their jobs and their lives. Well, see, so, so you start kind of going through the whole thing, and then you're like, oh, now it sort of makes sense to do that. Where can we be the leading expert in the world on a particular topic? So, and in in the book, so in the book Content Inc, we go through these six stages. Well, the third stage, building the base, that's where you actually start creating content. The first two, where you're trying to find your sweet spot and the content tilt, which is the most important part. The content tilt is all about telling a different story. And that's where almost every company gets held up because they start creating content like anything else that you can find out there. Well, what's going to differentiate you? Why is your information going to cut through the clutter and going to reach the people that you want to reach when there's so much information about all that stuff. So if you're, I mean, I'll give you an example. So I was talking to a, an owner of a pet store, local pet store. This is about nine months ago this happened. Very excited about it. I'm like, that's wonderful that you're so excited about doing the blog. Tell me about it. Yeah, we're going to do a blog on pet supplies. I said, really? I said, ah, um, you know who you're competing with on that? I said, do you know you're competing with PetSmart and Petco? These are billion-dollar companies spending millions of dollars on their amazing pet supplies blogs. Do you have the resources? Are you going to compete on that level, targeting the same audience with the same kind of information? And they sort of like, oh, I didn't really think about that. I know. You said you should. Because if you were a media company and you were starting at a trade magazine, let's say, or a trade media site, you would think about those questions. Like, who's our competitive set? How much do we have to deal with? Can we actually be the leading expert in the world targeting <laughs> that group of people? So it just goes through this whole thing. And by the way, long story short, with that pet supply owner, they never did it. But when we went through the whole little exercises, they had a whole area of high margin products and services around people that like to travel with their pets, which is this big growing category. And there was really no expertise built from from a content creation standpoint on the web around that particular area. Some, some smaller things were going on, but there was nobody that was really taking charge. And I said, that could be you. You could just focus on that. You could be the go-to resource for people that like to travel with their, with their dogs and recreational vehicles, which is a thing. And you have lots of products to sell around that. And they never did it. But I'm like, that's the kind of content niche we're talking about. And that's the kind of strategic focus before we just start saying, oh, we should do a blog. And it's on pet supplies because we're a pet store. Well, I, I think, you know, you, you were, used the word niche, and, and uh, earlier on I used the word super niche, and 
the thing is that these days you can't, like you say, write about pet supplies. You want to be writing about pet supplies for a specific demographic, and in that demographic it has to be a certain type of pet, and then the pet has to uh, like to run around in the water a lot. So you know, it, it just gets thinner and thinner and thinner, and then you get these razor-thin niches that you become an expert in. And it doesn't mean you have to be an expert in just one, but you can't do any broad-spectrum communications. Like you said, there's just hundreds and well, I would say millions and millions of information source, content sources, where people have huge resources or they're incredibly passionate about it and they don't care about monetizing. It has nothing to do with the company. It's just something they do in their spare time. And that's your, your, your competition. So for you to you know, approach it like broad strokes is basically you're going to end up wasting a lot of time and a lot of energy. Yeah, might as well not even do it to, to that point. Yeah, if you're if you're going to do a tech, if you're a tech company and you're going to do a blog on innovative technology, you might as well not even do it. There's 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 thousands of companies, including Intel and Qualcomm and Apple, and that are doing things in that area that it's very hard to compete with. When especially when you've got the budget of an Apple computer that could basically buy the New York Times sixty times over and still have plenty of money to do whatever they want. So it's you have to really think in perspective about how we can break through. And honestly, this is this is the way it's always been. This is publishing one hundred and one. This is isn't any different. There's just a lot more content creators out there. Now, and the same portion is it's maybe the greatest time to be a content creator because you and I can actually we can actually target our audience and find them on the web today. It's a possibility. You don't need to spend, you know, five hundred thousand dollars on a content management system like we had to spend 20 years ago when we were in publishing and to create a basic article on the web. It's it's almost the cost, the actual technology cost to reaching that audience is almost at zero. So that's a fantastic thing. At the same point, it's like, yeah, we can we can get the attention of those people, but it's going to take a lot more. And that's why if you really focus on that niche audience, you can't go to your point. You can't go niche enough. There's no way you can you can keep going down the line, and I will never say, oh, that's too niche. It's not it, it, that thing does not exist. Well, and, and I think what a lot of people don't understand too is just because you've decided to go super niche for one particular thing doesn't mean that you have to do that in every single show or every single article or every single uh, social media post. It just means that you become the de facto super expert on that particular super niche. And uh, one of the strategies, I was talking to a publishing company uh, many, many years ago now, even you know before the internet was really used for much of anything. And I said, well, let's use a, a niche strategy. So why don't you guys dominate... Uh, books for tourists and dominate books for uh, chefs and whatever. And we'll own all these micro niches. And then in five years, we'll basically bring them all together. And then suddenly you'll own a big piece of the pie and nobody will know why that happened. Same thing can happen today. Oh, you know what? You know what you just described is Huffington Post. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's Huffington Post. That's how they started. They started with one very niche blog. It's more of a political blog as they started. And then they started a second one and a third one. And now what do they have? 300 blogs? It's all together at HuffPo, but they're all separate sites. You could separate any one of those. It could be its own little media company. 
So it's just interesting to see that that has happened. And that's where when we talk, we work with mostly large, like super large billion dollar enterprises, and they have that same issue. They're like, well, we want to do this for all of our customers. And we have 40 different customers and we have you know, 3,000 different products and all this stuff. I'm like, okay, let's fi- that's fine. Let's start with one. Let's do one really well. And then when we do one really well and we, and we develop an audience, whatever that minimum viable audience is for them, 5,000, 10,000 email subscribers, whatever the case is, then we'll move on to the second one and then the third one. But usually they can't do the first one. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah, or, or what, they, what they have is, is they don't have a focused email list where they've got a generalist uh, email list. I mean, a lot of times people have an audience. They have a community. They've just been communicating to the whole community, community instead of breaking the community down into, well, actually, this is 30 different communities, or this is 10 different communities, or three. And you've got to communicate in a different way, and you've got to use different languages, and you've got to have uh, different uh, angles and different expertise, blah, blah, blah. And as soon as you do that, that whole audience, like that community, wakes up. It's like, oh, my God, you're talking to me now because we're in the age of me-ism. Well, and I think it's probably always been that way, where if you're, if you're creating content, you're not creating content for yourself. You're creating content for somebody else, and that's when it's going to have relevance. It's going to touch them in, in an emotional way, and that is the magic thing, where people actually tune into your show or read your blog posts or follow you you know, on Twitter and actually follow you, like spend an effort to say, oh, I'm going to go to his stream because he's always got great jokes or he's got always got great tips or I can always ask them a question they always come up with a fast efficient answer that always helps me out of a jam that is what content is about is actually serving individual people but doing it in such a way that you're serving 10,000 individual people that think you're talking to them individually that is magic absolutely and it just and it takes time to do that it takes, I mean, the average time, and we talk about this in the book, but it's, it's 15 to 18 months from start to monetization. So if you were going to build a content platform and target a particular audience to really see um, see the benefits of that, whatever your goals happen to be, it's going to take about a year and a half minimum for, I mean, for us at Content Marketing Institute, it took us 24 months to really, really see that this was something that was going to work. Uh, John Lee Dumas, my good buddy over at Entrepreneur on Fire podcast, took him nine months. So there's 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 what you got. You got nine to 24 months that you're looking at, depending on how much promotion and advertising you're going to put behind it. But basically, that needs to be your expectation. So if you come and say, Joe, I want to do this thing. Um, I got six months. I would say, go do something else. <laughs> go buy advertising. Go buy interruptive marketing in some way. Uh, don't try to build a long-term relationship with somebody if you're going to try to rush it and get to that six-month mark because it doesn't work. It's interesting. I think as a, as a great way for people to understand what we're talking about too is that six months or 24 months or, or, or whatever time it takes to get to monetization, that is your training. And then when you hit monetization, that's when the marathon starts. That's when you're starting to run. And it's not like you hit the 24 months and then you can kick back and relax. It's like, no, this is, it's like, now, now you can't stop. Yeah. I mean, it's, so it was just me when I started blogging in 2007, I blogged three times a week. And in 2000, and then we really got some traction about 09. And then in 10, we went to five times a week every day. And then in 11, end of 11, we went to seven times. So we blog every day and we have not, we've never missed a day since 2011. 
blog every day, even on holidays. So it's, it, it, I think that's one of the reasons, and that's just one channel, right? That doesn't include our magazine or our events or the podcast. That's just one, but you want to start with just one. And that's where another thing that I think a lot of people get confused about. It's like, oh, well, I've got to publish on LinkedIn and I got to publish over here and I got to do a blog and a podcast. I'm like, no, no, that's not the way you start. You start on one. You just do one really well. Look at any major media company. Look at any YouTuber. Look at any podcast specialist. Look at anyone that's really made it. They've started with one channel, one content type for the most part, one channel consistently delivered over time. And you do that until you get to monetization of some kind. You really see impact. And then you diversify. And a lot of people, a lot of businesses don't know that because just because they can publish, they believe they should be publishing in all these different areas. I'm like, no, 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 that's, that's not the way you do it. You actually focus and you become an expert in one of these areas. And then you diversify once you build that audience. A lot of people don't know that. Let's dig down into the book a little bit. Um, I wanted to ask you, you know, a lot of executives don't have a ton of time. They're busy running around with their heads, uh, what is that, chicken with their head chopped off, and they think they're multitasking. But, uh, you know, you, you give them a book and, and they say, oh, it's, it's too much. So, okay, so what chapter should they read? Well, it's interesting. That's a great. That's a great question. It's a model. So basically, the whole, this is my fourth book. So Content Inc. is a business model that that if you're if you're a large company, you could use it to a particular audience that you're trying to target. And if you're an entrepreneur, you could actually use this as your business model. And it basically says this is how you do it. It's six steps. And the whole idea is, we went out to dozens and dozens of multimillionaire super successful companies that built a content mark took a content marketing approach focused on a niche built an audience built a business and then we reverse engineered every one every every one of the it's like okay well what did they do and the exciting thing bob was is that they all did the same things they just didn't know it so they they all did the same six steps, and that's what we talk about in the book where you go from the sweet spot and the content tilt. It's basically figuring out how do we tell that different story. You build the base. I just said that, you know, the one content type, one channel consistently delivered over time. Then you have a, a mechanism to build an audience generally through email. Then you diversify that through other means, like you go from a podcast and maybe you would launch a customer event or you go from a blog and then you launch a podcast. You, you diversify just like a diversified media company would do. And then you figure out how you're going to monetize that. Do you monetize that through selling more products? Do you monetize that through keeping your customers more loyal, loyal close them faster, launch a brand new product? maybe get data for research and development there's all kinds of different ways to do it so so that and so i guess that's the model and i think if you believe in it i would love would like you to read at least the ones where we talk about the model but i think the most important one bob is the chapter on the content tilt which is chapter 5 or 6 it's right at the beginning because that's where most people when they're starting out to build a strategy go wrong because they don't understand that they actually have to find an area of little to no competition on the web where they actually have a chance to break through. That's this whole idea of telling a different story. And I just did a workshop for 50 small business, small mid-sized businesses. We were going through their content focus. Every one of them was too broad. None of them were focusing on a content tilt or a content niche that they actually had a chance to break through and become a leading expert in anything. So we really had to go get down to the basics and figure out, okay, what can you really, what's the story you want to tell that you have an app, an opportunity to break through. 
because it's not going to be about technology. It's not going to be about pet supplies. It's not going to be about RFID equipment because you know what? It's already too cluttered in those areas. We've got to focus on something that you can actually do something special at. So I would say the content tilt chapters you have to start with because if you're doing anything in content marketing, most likely 95% of the people listening to this, you're too broad. You're not focusing on anything differentiated. You're not going to break through. So it's probably just going to be a waste of time for you. Also, I think a lot, a lot, you know, a lot of times when I'm trying to, trying to help people uh, decide what subject they're going to talk about, decide what the, the, the core of their content is, I, I always ask them, like, what is your passion? What are you fascinated with? What are you, when you're daydreaming, what do you daydream about? And uh, I, was, I was talking to a car dealership, and this guy wanted to use uh, podcasting and blogging as a sales tool. I said, well, that's fantastic. Not too many people are doing that. And he said, yeah, but I... I don't want to, what, what should I talk about? And I said, well, you could talk about cars. And he said, yeah, but, you know, I do that all day long. And, and I said, well, what are you passionate about? I said, oh, and suddenly his whole demeanor changed. His energy got um, way more dynamic and he leaned forward in his chair and he said, fishing, man. I love fishing. I said, well, then write a blog about fishing, but use cars within it. So fishing becomes the metaphor for cars. You know, talk about, you know, take a different car from the dealership every time you go fishing and then wrap that experience of being in that car and why it's a great car to go fishing in. That's all you need. And your niche audience are fishermen that need a great car. That's it. Done. Finished. Do that. And then you'll be able to figure out your audience. If you're targeting fishermen, it'll be perfect. Yeah, you know, really? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that's sort of like uh, Jerry Seinfeld's uh, comedians getting uh, coffee in cars. Yes. I mean, Acura sponsors that whole deal, but it's just him in a car. It's not even an Acura car. It's just a cool car. And they drive around going to get coffee. And it's been extremely successful all the way around. I think it's been great for Seinfeld as well as for Acura, but it's the same kind of thing. But absolutely, when you in the first step is the whole idea of finding your sweet spot. And it's the intersection of what is your passion with what do you have an authority to communicate about? Your example that you just talked about, the guy's passionate, obviously knows a lot about fishing, knows a lot about cars. We've got a sweet spot there. Then you take that to the next level and figure out, okay, well, are we telling a different story? You have to do a little bit of research. Are we actually telling a different story? Do we, how do we make it differentiate? Are we targeting a different kind of audience? Are we, are we going to, to use a tool that's not being used? Maybe that's the pod. Maybe nobody's doing a podcast. So we can do, ask those types of questions to actually f figure out if we're going to set ourselves up for success. But that's a great example. You know, uh, you use my favorite word, setting yourself up for success. I think one of the biggest failures in most businesses and most marketing is they don't set themselves up for the marketing to be successful. You know, it's, they get 35 leads in from doing something and then they don't have anybody to actually do any follow-up for the 35 leads. So those 35 leads become cold leads in a week because they haven't been actioned immediately. Do you think that's the same thing with content? I think that in a lot of cases, the lead generation or demand generation process with content sort of been, a, I'll say a very nice word, bastardized a little <laughs> bit. Yeah. Uh, basically, the what... If you, we were in a perfect world and your company wasn't so anxious to feed the pipeline, and then in some cases, to your point, they don't do anything with it. But in most cases, you get that lead from that content, that ebook, that white paper. It goes to sales way too soon before they've actually qualified the lead. It's not really a lead. It's a name. And they get the name and they follow up and they waste it. 
and they don't nurture that in a way that's going to get that person to know, like, and trust you and be ready to buy something. So what what I would say is the best case scenario is, is that you get the, somebody to sign up for, let's say, your e-newsletter. So let's say you have a, a great blog. It's fantastic. So you get somebody to sign up to your e-newsletter because they want to get your information on an ongoing basis. They love what you have to say, like you were saying before. That is an e, that's a subscriber. That person that signs up for the e-newsletter is a subscriber. It's not a lead. Your leads then come from your subscription pool. So really what you want to do is you want to have some kind of process where you uh, you let that person stay as a subscriber for a while, leave them alone, then probably get them signed up for other stuff so that you can score them. So maybe that they sign up for another webinar and then they sign up for another ebook. And you sort of get this idea where in a lot of, we were just working with a company, their number is eight, eight different touch points of content. And once they get to eight, that sort of flags sales to say that's a lead that actually become because they've they've gone to two or three webinars they've opened up six of our uh e-newsletter posts they've they've listened to the podcast whatever the case is and they're really primed and ready to go for for a more advanced conversation that would be a lead and i think that's bob i think what a lot of people are missing because they think that getting a name through whatever content that they create is a lead and in most cases it's not you rush it you ruin it it go it, and it it just dies uh, for multiple reasons uh, because they don't know what they have what they have as a subscriber we want to we want to covet that subscriber as much as we can treat it with respect and get it to a point where it does help the business and, and not rush it yeah I think long-term uh, sales is all about building a relationship and relationships happen slowly I mean everybody listening to this podcast knows what a uh, um, a networking event is, <clears throat> and the first day that you go into network, you don't run around handing out your business card and, and then try and sell people during that event. The people are going to look like you're nuts. You're trying to have sex on the first date. That's that's basically what's going on in a lot of cases. Or you're, they're really confused because they don't know why you're coming on to them uh, because they didn't know they were a lead, which they aren't. They're just getting calls. Um, so I think it's just treating with a little bit more respect and just like it's just it's just it's just common sense is treating people like humans. And and we've gotten so formulaic and, oh, we've got to get it to we've got to feed this sales beast. And so we're going to create more and more content, get more and more leads and f create this this whole process that in most cases is very inefficient and doesn't work. And that's what's sad about it. And it's, it's hard to change that. And that's where the doing taking this content ink approach is just different and different is the most challenging thing about it. It's just not that we're doing things the same old way. I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, how to read the book. We kind of talked about that a little bit, but it's is it a book you have to read from, from the beginning to the end or you read the beginning and there's, okay, and then I'm going to jump around to monetization or uh, I've read up to, you know, part three of the content tilt. I know what my content is. I'm just going to skip ahead and, and go straight to, uh, let's say, the end, which is the, the next level content incorporated. So what, what, what do you recommend? Yeah, if you if you're let's say that you have your content niche already set and you're perfect and you're loving it, um, you can go to part. You can go right on to building the base. How do we really build this thing that's going to make the sense, most sense? Let's just say that you've got everything working, you've got your base built, uh, and you've been doing, but you you haven't been able to build an audience. Well, you can go to the whole section on building audience around what can, how can I use influencers and social media and do I use paid advertising to promote this stuff to get an audience and those types of things. Um, and then maybe you're at the point where you're starting to build an audience, but 
you're really not sure how to monetize this thing. Well, that's the whole, we got a whole bunch of chapters on monetization. So it's really good where depending on wherever you're at in the process, uh, if you're, hey, if things are perfect and you don't have any issues, you know, obviously you don't need to read the book, but that's not where most people are. But depending on where you're at in the process, you can go in at any point and say, oh, this is the whole section. This is the social media thing. I just haven't gotten this right so that I can build enough audience. And that's where a lot of people are at, actually. They have their, they've chosen that they want to do their, whatever their niche is. They've chosen they want to do a podcast or they want to do a content platform, articles, blogs, whatever, uh, even, even an, an ongoing e-newsletter. But they don't know ultimately how they're going to build audience or, or monetize that and show real return. Uh, which is more of the back half of the book. So I think you can go in at any place and, and find some value. Okay, well, let's jump into monetization. I think that's one of the toughest things for people to get their head around. They either over-monetize or under-monetize or never monetize. Um, what do you recommend? What's For you, what was your, when you got into monetization, for you, when did it click for you? Say, oh, oh, now I get it. Well, you know, what was interesting is we when we started I, we we were, we were actually doing a matching product. That was the product we launched. It was kind of like we called it the eHarmony for content marketing. <laughs> so it was bad. we would match up agencies and brands that wanted to do content. I thought it was the greatest product on the planet. And unfortunately, uh, agencies don't have a lot of money to spend on this kind of stuff. So it wasn't a great uh, area for us. So we went back to the drawing board and we basically just started to listen to our audience, built a pretty substantial audience through the blog up at that point, more than 10,000 subscribers, and just started to listen. And the audience kept telling us that we, they wanted more training, more education, more in-person workshops, those types of things. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's, there's an opportunity here. And that's when we sort of pivoted and said, well, instead of offering this product that's very hard to monetize and people only need it 1% to 2% of the time, you know, when they're really ready to, to buy something – or to create a content product, they, they we, let's go to the education side. Let's go to the training side. Let's look at a business media model. So we started to, we said, okay, well, we could do that through sponsorship and advertising and paid attendees and registrations to the event. And of course, that's what content marketing is today. We're an education and training company. And that's just from listening to the audience. And uh, if you look at Copyblogger, it's the same way. Copyblogger.com, Brian Clark started his blog in 2006. Uh, 19 months, he was blogging about uh, online copywriting and search engine marketing and those types of things. And he didn't even know what he was going to launch. And he started talking to, you know, getting emails and social media pings and started to reach out for the customer surveys. And, and they said, you know, we really need this you know, affordable content management system product that we can't seem to find anywhere and these SEO tools that we can't seem to find anywhere. Well, he went out and created them and now he's one of the fastest growing software as a service companies on the planet. But it's from that listening. Now, that's from a startup. That's a whole business model standpoint. Look at look at John Deere's The Furrow Magazine, which is another case study we talk about. It created that magazine in 1895. The Furrow Magazine. So they've been doing it for over 120 years. Why did they create it? Because they wanted to keep their customers more loyal and never think ever, ever again about buying anything other than a John Deere tractor. Well, they've done a pretty darn good job of it over that time. Consistent. And so their, their goal is to keep customers and, and keep their customers uh, buy, re, return visitors and buying more as customers. So there's another one. So there's another example of how you can do it. Uh, craftrecipes.com. 
Why did Kraft start that? That's a whole research and development initiative. They get amazing first party data on what's going to be the hottest thing from the content they create. So that's how they know if red velvet's going to be a hot thing and that they can introduce into their products or what pumpkin spice or God knows what other things that are going on. But that's how they do it from a data standpoint. So you can have some ideas going in and you probably want to as part of your hypothesis and your business model. But when you get you, you, you should not even think about monetization until you've built, built your minimum viable audience and you have enough of an audience that you can actually do something with. So what we want to recommend is just have your, your total focus on building audience up to the point where you've set a goal of five, 500, 5,000, 5 million, whatever your goal is to build your audience. And then you can start to look at monetization options. And I think that's where we try to, we try to extract value too soon from these relationships as we've talked about. You want to make sure you have that value there and then you can go and and monetize it. There's nine different ways. You could do it through donations. You could do, I mean, there's there's nine different ways to look at at all the different ways that you can monetize it. Uh, you could do it directly off of advertising. I mean, there's wonderful things that you could look at. Um, so there's no shortage of that. It's just, it's getting to monetization that's actually the hardest part. Yep. And and I think, um, you know, once you got your community built up, they will tell you what the product is. And you kind of mentioned that before, but I I, I just don't think people get that part is like if you're listening and you're communicating on Twitter, because if that's where your audience is, that's where it is. And they will tell you, gosh, you know, they'll bitch about this same thing again and again, and you'll start to see a pattern. And if they're complaining about it, they're just telling you, make it and we will buy it. That's it. It's it's pretty straightforward. Now, you got to listen pretty pretty cleverly to be able to pick up stuff like that. It's not like people say, "Oh, please make X for me and I will buy it." It's a little subtler than that, but that I think is a real um, skill set that a lot of people don't have is the ability not to be a good listeners, but to be listening for that product or that particular pain point that's that's consistently coming up again and again. You'll start getting the same questions over and over. And that's how we do. I mean, I say, Joe, do you do workshops? Will you come in and do consulting? Could you do speaking? You know, we, we need we need an in-depth session with our team. And we just don't, don't know how to get started. And I'm like, oh, my God, this just kept happening over and over and over again. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Well, I can't scale Joe. So what how, what can we do that we can scale that we can help these people? on an ongoing basis because I can't be everywhere at once. And then that's when we started getting into online training and we started to do big in-person events like content marketing world and those types of things. And it's just, you're right. You just start to notice things as you go and they will be very, if, if you build a rabid audience, they will, they will be very forthcoming with information. You're right. You just have to listen. You know, you said something there and I had a little aha moment and it's so obvious. I was sitting with a client the other day and the classic um, problem that came came up against that if only I could find somebody just like me then we could expand faster there you know that he doesn't trust the person he's brought on to do that particular thing he only thinks that they he can do it so he's always out on the field and he's getting exhausted and burnt out and he's not you know managing the company properly then he has to look and say well maybe you creating content and you staying in the office and then educating the uh, demographic that you're targeting is a much better use of your time than you trying to educate one person at a time. That's right. You know, it, it's scalable. And by the way, that's a huge business right now. Oh boy! If you, I would say the 
far majority of the case studies we look at in the book are those types where you get a YouTuber that all of a sudden has, you know, 5 million followers on YouTube and they're getting on and then they're trying to figure out, oh, well, how do we monetize? It ends up being some type of a content training, content syndication feel to it that works really well. It's just that you have to realize that that's an option. So for everybody listening today, um, what's one thing that they can do to start moving their business towards a content strategy? I think that what I would probably do is start listing all the stuff you're doing right now is you'll probably get overwhelmed with all the stuff that you're actually doing that's not really working um, because less is more right now. I mean, you could have made the case in 2007, 2008 that more content was the answer. And there might have been a time where that was the case, but right now that is as far from the truth as possible. It's actually you want consistent quality content over time, build that relationship, and it, it's probably – it might not be five posts a week or three posts a week for you. It might be one amazing post or one amazing podcast and focus on those types of things. And it's not like you have to be in five or six channels. It probably is two to three that you can do really well from a social media standpoint. So I would say, you know, do the exercise where you go through and say, okay, who's the audience we're trying to target? Where can we be the leading expert in the world at something? And what are we doing right now? And so you can try to figure out where you can get additional resources at without actually going and, and spending more money. You can get those resources by just not doing the things that you're doing right now that aren't working. And I think that's the best place to start and do a little audit of what you're actually doing right now. And I think that that's where you'll find some freedom. Uh, to do some do some amazing things with with less resources, let's put it that way. Well, and and, and uh, less time. I mean, that that's the other gripe I get for I don't have time to do this. Well, then do less of the stuff that's ineffective. Exactly. Just more of the stuff that works and less of the stuff that doesn't work. It's not rocket science. It's just actually looking at it because we get into these routines that we just keep doing what we're doing because that's what we're used to. Well, and it's easy. Let's face it, you know, we're humans, we're lazy bunch of so-and-sos, and, and uh, if I'm doing this and I've been doing it for 10 years, why should I stop? Well, because the world has changed. You've got to step out of the forest, and, and, and so you don't just see trees in front of you, you get to see the whole thing. Say, like, oh my gosh, I've got rot here on the right, let's just get rid of all that stuff and concentrate where we've got growth. It's pretty basic, but it's hard. Hard to change. That's the that's the that's the biggest thing when you go into a large enterprise specifically, and people want to wonder why can't I get buy-in for content marketing? The answer is easy. It's different, and different is hard, especially in a large company that has processes and people built all over things, and they've been doing it for 20, 30, 40 years. Well, I think if you're a solopreneur, you you still have the same problem. Yeah, it, I think you if you're used to doing, so yeah, you're right. If you're used to doing anything one way, just changing it, that's the toughest thing. Hey, it sounds like another great book by you. <laughs> I don't know about <laughs> that. We'll see. I got, I do a book every two years, so I'll have one in 2017, but I'm not quite ready to, to figure out what that one's going to be yet. So we'll see. Is it getting easier every time you write a book or, or it's just like you just know what you're getting into? It's like having your second or third baby. Uh, it's it's a little easier than when I first started because I, I use a, a blog to book strategy. So when I uh, when I do the table of contents, I figure out what the focus is going to be. I start filling gaps and I start blogging about that, blogging on our contentmarketinginstitute.com site or LinkedIn. So I start filling those gaps and then all those blogs become chapters. So I don't have to do it all at once. It's about a six to nine month process. 
And so that's what I've done the past three books. And it seems to work really, really well. So I think from that st standpoint, it's easier, but it's harder to find a new topic because content content marketing now, I mean, we've been talking about it for, you know, I've been talking about it for 16 years now. So I've been around for a long time doing this and I've had two very distinct books last two where they fill interesting content gaps. And if I'm going to do another one, it's finding, you know, doing something that's worthwhile, that's actually going to be incredibly useful. That's the hardest part. So where should people go to find out more about you, research you once they finish reading this book or some of one of your other books? Uh, where can they go to keep learning? Sure. Yeah. So content-inc.com is everywhere you can learn about the book. And everything about me is uh, joepolizzi.com and where I'm speaking and all that kind of stuff. And then the business is contentmarketinginstitute.com. And that's where you find out about the event. We put on the largest content marketing event in the, on the planet at this point. So we'll, we're expecting about 4,000 marketers from 60 countries coming into Cleveland, Ohio, uh, September 6th through 9th. And that's kind of that's our that's our major thing that we do every year, and we're super excited about it. So if you want to see me in person, just <laughs> come out and meet me there. I'd be happy to say hi to you. So that's that's kind of all the stuff that we're doing. And then I'm at, I'm at Joe Polizzi on Twitter, and if you shoot me a little note on Twitter, I try to get back to to you within at least 24 hours. Hey, we've been talking about the book Content Inc. How entrepreneurs use content to build massive audiences and create radically successful businesses. Joe, thanks for being on the show. Bob, anytime, my friend. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the show. And don't forget to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Like us at Facebook forward slash business book talk. Follow the host on Twitter at Bob Garlic. Visit the website businessbooktalk.com for show notes and lots of other great interviews. See you next week.